We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Today we're doing uh, our weekly mega coronavirus covid19 podcast i mean no one on the show is a doctor so it's just us talking through our day-to-day live stuff that we're doing and hopefully trying to kill some time i have two guests today one davis maddock who joined me last week to break this down that's going to be audio only i mean you can watch it on youtube but uh there's going to be no video along with that it's just going to be a thumbnail that's up the entire time and then shawnee suisa the producer of pandemic times podcast joins me a little bit later on to share her experience of what's going on in la right now and she's got some fire thoughts on some things not afraid to express it so we're going to really dig deep into this, try to kill some time, and what I do want to let people know is I got some DraftKings money to give away, so smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and let me know if there's an app or anything that's going on that can bring communities together, free to use, to really help people out. You leave your DraftKings handle along with that, you'll be in that draw for 20 DK dollars. It's also a good way to pass along some information in these times to people who might be in need. Try to help out a hand and really bring your community together. That's a lot of the topic of what we talk about in the second part of the show when Shawnee comes on. Also, if you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, and something you enjoy about the show. Plus, tell a friend. Spread the show around in terms of you know getting people to subscribe and download. But if you do all those things, you're in a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. Up first, host of the TakeCast, it will be Davis Maddock. Enjoy. All right, everyone, bringing in my buddy, Pat Mayo. Uh, we did this show last week, got really good responses from it. And pretty much every time Pat and I do a show together, uh, it get, it gets good responses. People, people like it. And, uh, because there are, they're not, there's not a ton of sports going on. There are some sports happening 
And uh, people, they just, they want what they know. They want the consistency. So Pat, the people wanted this show. So we're giving them the show. Yeah. And if people are listening on the Pat Mayo experience feed, of course, you can always go subscribe to the Take Cast, Davis's show. It's not just coronavirus type stuff, although it might be for you now, isn't it? Uh, I mean, we're going to, we're going to be branching out a little bit. I did a show, I did a show that just came out. I actually haven't even tweeted the link out yet. I did one. Uh, it'll be the most recent feed, most recent episode in the feed other than this one with Jeff Collins, where we actually talked about baseball for uh, about half the show. So not, not really much Corona talk in there. So if you're, if you're wanting a little bit of something else there, we, we gave you a little bit of something else here on the feed. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about baseball, you can sleep your way through the entire pandemic and you'll be good. Man, I, I got to say, I never thought that this would be me, Pat, but I really am wishing that we had some good old-fashioned American baseball happening right now. I really I really wish it was here. As someone who spent their Friday betting on something called Cage Warriors, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Is Cage Warriors like minor league MMA? It's like minor league Euro MMA. Minor league Euro MMA. So like... And the, what's what's so funny right now is is we're learning at what distinction people just really don't care. We have did you did you wager on minor league golf? I didn't actually. I think I stayed away. I I did not bet on it. I looked at it. I was like, I legitimately don't know who these people are. At least with Cage Warriors, uh, my old roommate who I have on the show, Cody, who works at Fight Network, he used to work Cage Warriors for like six years doing play by play. So he actually knew who all these people were. I was like, you have. Yeah, he knew he knew the athletes, right? Yeah, he he. Basically, when we did the show on Thursday, he's like, here are the five lines that are going to be double come the time the card actually goes. So actually, we did it Wednesday night and it started on Friday afternoon. And like I bet on some guy at like minus 225. He went off at minus 700. So I don't know if that's the only people who bet on it were the people that watch my show and just took all those picks or they just had to adjust because they were just way off. Like he used to match make cards as well. So he has a good sense of odds. Uh, so it was actually quite profitable. I mean, there you go. You always say, you always say people, uh, they don't, they don't come to the Pat Mayo experience for picks other than for the MMA picks. And it turns out you are even the the premier destination for cage warriors picks. Yeah. Listen, if you have people who know, that's the thing, like for the minor league golf, I just didn't know. Like, what, what am I going to be saying? I think the guy who won wasn't even available on the odd sheet. Was he? That is that is accurate, and I only know that because our buddy Rifo eighteen Ryan Forbes, he was the one who even alerted me to the fact that it was happening. And uh, if I would have known even one person, if I would, if I mean literally, if I would have even known one person in the event, I would have bet it. But I I couldn't have picked those guys out of a lineup. I just I I just didn't know anyone. So for that reason, I was out. That's basically, I don't want to, although I do want to bet on things, I don't want to bet on things I legitimately have. I mean, I don't have any clue about Cage Warriors, but I know who to trust with Cage Warriors. When it comes to minor league golf, people are just throwing darts. People are just throwing darts. Yeah, it's not like there's any data that exists for that. Are you are you tempted at all by by League of Legends, or is that just is that just like dumb nerd shit, and you're you're not tempted? Well, I, it is dumb nerd shit to me, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do content for it. I actually, I did League of Leagues content like four years ago. Uh, my old intern, who became my colleague Matt Best, uh, was playing it all the time back then. Uh, and he like knew what was going on. So we used to play on DraftKings. Just the limits were so low. Like I, I didn't really want to play like hundred dollar double ups for League of Legends. I'd rather just play stuff that I actually watch and could follow along for my entertainment purposes. But hey, 
We're in a tough scene right now, so I might have to have Matt back on the show to, to figure out what's going on. I saw you did a show about it. I mean, I got to tell you, I, first of all, yes, we did do a show about it. If you're gonna very... say, if you're gonna tell me how awesome it is, just remember you're like under quarantine and you're you're begging for entertainment at this point. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you it's awesome because I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, would I rather watch Australian League soccer or would I rather watch League of Legends? I would rather watch the Australian League soccer, but. With my, you're, you're, what you're saying is accurate. My brain is so starved for competition. It's so starved for, you know, predicting the, the outcomes of events with fixed odds beforehand and determining what the odds should be. And if the odds are wrong, uh, it is, it is like, it's like that first breath of, of fresh air coming up from being under the water for too long. It is like, I watch, I actually, so we are recording this on Friday, March 20th. I actually, watched some of the live stream of the event that took place in the European championships today. And I, I will admit I was reasonably entertained. Well, maybe this is a, for all media markets. Cause I think the last time we spoke UFC was the only thing still going on. Now that's off the table. So anything that's going on is going to get eyeballs. Yeah, we have the, so the, the Turkish soccer league was still going on. That's um, the last time we spoke. Yeah, they canceled that. They canceled it after DraftKings had posted, uh, you know, GPPs with, uh, you know, 100,000 people in them and stuff. So, or $100,000 prize pools rather. So that was a, that was a little bit of a bummer. They have Australian soccer going on, but it's literally in the middle of the night. So like, I mean, I, I really like sports and I really like to play on DraftKings and I really like to bet, but like, I, I can't, I'm not going to set my alarm at 3.30 every morning. Like I just, I'm just not going to do it. Well, maybe this is time to develop some other interests. And by the time everything eventually comes back, you're going to be all gung ho and refreshed. Uh, yeah. I mean, my interests are, I, I, I guess I got, I've been playing a lot more video games. Uh, so that is, that's definitely been, a, I, I kind of think that's how most people, uh, that I know are dealing with it. It's just like the amount of video games that are being played. It's, it's much, much higher than it was, uh, two weeks ago, basically. Oh, I, I can definitely see that. Uh, if anyone's wondering, if you're listening to this on Davis's feed, it's just him and I speaking about it. But if you come to the Pat Mayo experience, there's a part two, an extension to this uh, where I have on, uh, the, like I said, the producer of the Pandemic Times, uh, and we talk a little bit about what people are doing. One of the things that we talked about, and this is why I want, this is why I think it's not necessary, obviously, that's self-aggrandizing in a way, but to talk about this is to, you and I are chatting, we're catching up. What are we up to? You know, obviously, we're not doctors. We're not here to give you advice on what to do, but just how we're living our day-to-day lives. And like, yeah, you know, that's so much more useful than being like, you got to socially distance. Well, like, okay, great. But like, how are you dealing with it? How is that impacting you? What's that? What's it like in your life? You know, that's more important to me. Yeah. But I did want to talk a little bit. Uh, I'm a quixotic person, um, although my demeanor may not show that. Uh, and if you've noticed me from these podcasts or the videos or any of my writing, you know, I'm in entirely sarcastic, sardonic, if you will. Uh, I don't seem like a super happy guy, but I'm quite optimistic about things. And I've just been seeing so many people running through doomsday scenarios, and they might be right. And the way to approach this, at least the way that I'm doing it, is kind of prepare for worst-case scenario. And if it turns out better than worst-case scenario, hey, that's a bonus. Uh, But you want to be as prepared as possible. At least that's how I'm personally taking it with my family. But 
I do think that there are, I mean, obviously the virus is bad. Self-isolation sucks. But I think that there are some good things that will eventually come out of this. It's a lot like during wartime uh, when you see people band together and, you know, certain industries produce different things. Like every distillery in Toronto right now is switched from making booze to making hand sanitizer. Stuff like that. Um, that, you know, there's going to be a collective community and there's going to be new inventions that are good for society that will come out of this. Yeah, I mean, pretty much most of in most big time innovation comes out of need. Like it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, like big innovations in human history are very rarely just like guys in labs thinking about something. It's it's looking at a problem and then figuring out how to solve it. So you know, it would not surprise me if we see big one of the one of the things that I think that could happen is we will see a big increase either in the usefulness and the power of 3D printers or we just see them far more widespread and they become a little bit cheaper because 3D printing is the best and easiest way to make the masks that everyone needs these these N95 masks uh, it seems like the best way to get those for doctors and nurses is going to be through 3D printing them as opposed to um, you know just really ramping up the production in some of these facilities because that requires workers that requires people to be in there that requires a supply chain whereas 3d printing just takes out a lot of those steps well i saw i I think everyone's familiar with the story now but in italy they were able to recreate the valves that people needed for ventilators once they ran out because of 3d printing and then the the company that owns it like sued the 3d printing people That's yeah, a, I, well, and and so so that, we are going to get a lot of that, right? So every time every time there's tragedy, there's always going to be the corporations trying to profit off of the, you know said tragedy. So we're going to get a ton of that too. You know, I, I I certainly am not wanting to paint a picture like I think that uh, everyone in the world is uniting for good and no one is no one is out there looking for number one because that is certainly not the case. I mean, we know that a lot of the people in, in power right now are looking out for number one, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't solutions out there that benefit they're not mutually beneficial, but oftentimes, you know, we're going to we're going to see some awful price gouging stories come out for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be price gouging because I think that there's I mean, even just to think of this as like a business expense, everyone is doing business expense like everyone's doing poorly. Uh, people are laid off. People don't have money. Uh, people have no work right now. People are staying inside their homes. Corporations are losing a ton of money as well that if you're a corporation and you can do some goodwill through these times, whether it be like I said, whether it be you're a brewery and you set up hand sanitization or whatever the company, like I saw like Elon Musk going back and forth that maybe the Tesla factories can, because they're efficient, they can produce what people need right now. And you hear it one of two ways. I think that's going to reflect well upon those corporations. Once everything is done, people will remember. I, I honestly do think that, but at the same time, like, you know, if Elon Musk says, Hey, you know, maybe we can turn our car factory into a, tell us where they need ventilators the most. We'll try to create ventilators quickly and get them out. And like the first response is like, well, you should have done that three weeks ago. Like that shit's not helping by the way. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff we could have done three weeks ago. We didn't. So retroactively putting on what you think that we should do with the information you have now is not a fucking help at all. No, that's not useful. I think that there is a lot of, I I would say there's a lot of like justifiable anger though from, and, and justifiable anger again, you know, anger generally is not a productive emotion for people though. 
Um, I think in the case of Senators Barr and Loeffler, uh, uh, voter anger is actually going to get them to be punished for something that generally senators are not punished for. But, you know, there's just a lot of justifiable anger because there were people that knew that this was really dangerous and wanted the federal government to start moving, to start doing something and just, you know, kind of had to sit by and watch. Well, no one did anything, basically. Sure. But now we're in the spot where no one did anything and now they're trying different things out. And it's like, well, it's not moving fast enough. It's like, well, there needs to be like a pragmatic version of this, too, where stuff can actually be done. Like, it's not like I thought of it, now it's enacted. Like, that's that's not how anything works. Uh, so I was starting to think, and Cust kind of told me about this. Like, Cust is really freaking out. He's on, like, Twitter all day. He's on Reddit all day. He basically is going to start building a bunker soon and just, like, put himself into that for the next five years and come out of it and see what happens. Like, Brennan Fraser and Blast from the past. But I, I think that just staying off social media, even if it's, like, most of the day is just what you need to retain your sanity at this point. Uh, I mean, yeah, like it's such a, it's such a double-edged sword. Uh, would I have known to get prepared for this early? Would I have, uh, you know, got supplies, got a ton of toilet paper, got bottled water, got, you know, just like uh, uh, hand soap, like all this stuff. Would I have gotten it all early, been ready, you know, not had to have dealt with crazy stuff at the grocery store uh, without social media. No, but would I be feeling super elevated levels of anxiety, you know, thinking about like not only not only is the the world at risk, but like uh you know, normal people living their day-to-day lives, Pat, they don't really think about the stock market. They don't really think about the economy in those ways. And that's just something that people on social media uh, well, at least at least like gambling social social media, like the the areas that you and I traffic in, people are are thinking about the markets and stuff a lot. So it it, it really is uh, the the. I mean, there's there's like a better analogy for this. I'm failing to come up with the, well, with the right I, word. It I, is. I would say that the the circles that we run in on social media, and I'm not just talking about like my my Twitter feed and your Twitter feed. It's just all the information that's out there. That you know, there's a lot of conflicting stuff. It can create confusion. It creates fear on mm-hmm. either side. But like, you know, if you ever talk about like privilege, gambling and DFS Twitter is is privilege Twitter. Like, it's people complaining that, like, oh, maybe I'll buy a bunch of stocks with all the money I have laying over. That's not the reality for most people. The reality for most people is they don't have a fucking That's job true. right now, and they don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, the so, like, that is uh, that is a very, um, there's a very weird position. Certainly, like, so, well, how old were you in 2008 during the housing crisis? What was that like in Canada and, and for you? I don't even, how old were you then? Uh, I would have been... 23 I think I didn't own a home and it didn't hit us all that hard up here yeah so in the United States it hit a ton of people super hard I'm sure my parents were stressed out every single day but I was in 2008 I would have been a junior in high school so I would have been like 16 or 17 and I remember you know trying to understand it reading all these articles in the newspaper. I mean, like literally like Twitter did not even exist then. I don't think, or if it did, I don't think I had an account yet. And, and certainly knowing it was a bad thing, but not really understanding, you know, kind of how the stock market works, how the government relates to the stock market, you know, what these massive bailout packages mean, how they help. And it is, it is a much different experience being an adult who has going to like, if, if, 
certain people play things right during this big, huge economic recession, they're going to set themselves up well for literally the rest of their adult lives. And like, that is a, that is a whole secondary pressure to be thinking about as an adult during a recession like this. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, I, I wish I had answers to it. I wish I knew what to do, but I don't. Do you? Well, and that is that is a, that is a privileged position, by the way. I guess the another point I was trying to make there is that I don't, you know, a lot of people in their day to day lives do not think of themselves as being privileged or having privileges. But like, just knowing that, like, I have a job, you know, that I I'm not gonna have to worry about, you know, paying rent or or healthcare or whatever right now. Like, that is a huge blessing that like large chunks of the United States people you know, well, and, and the world, not even just the United States, but just the world, um, that they, they do not get to approach this situation thinking about how they can set themselves up financially. It's like a huge, scary thing for them day to day. Yeah. It's about how do I survive based on what's going on? Not because there's a virus out there, but my day to day necessities are not being met. And I think that's why, you know, people are giving, uh, there's every time that you see people, on social media, for example, like when people congregated on like South Beach for spring break, those people are idiots. Like we, we can clearly say that, but there are people that are going out in their day-to-day lives, not self-isolating because they need to go to work. Because they got to go to work. Because they got to go to work. And like, uh, it's hard to say like, oh no, you need to stay at home. Like you can't be out in public. Like that's what people should be doing for the greater good. But at the same time, if you can't survive by doing that, like, I, I can't begrudge anyone who's going out. Like, I wish they wouldn't, but, you know, it, to each their own in this situation. I, I think that people are, well, it's not, it, it is politicized in a way, but it's less, like, left and right, but, like, class, it, it's a big classist divide right now, I feel. Like, you know, being able to have the, like, idea that you can just stay home and that's fine, you're being taken care of is one thing, but if you're not, like... You know, it's like survival of the fittest. Yeah, I mean, it, and it is, and it's very, it's so scary because it's, and and it's so dumb because it's not like there aren't the resources there to help these people. And and what's, I mean, what's been so funny to me, uh, you know, obviously because we're we always got to talk a little bit about politics on this show is that, um, you know, you would think that the the Democrats they they would see a moment to push you know, uh, uh, communal good and, you know, some, some redistribution of wealth and like literally, you know, who the first person in the United States to promote universal basic income was Trump. It was freaking Mitt. It was, no, it was Mitt Romney. Oh, that makes sense. Freaking, he's, a, he's a billionaire. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, it's the, it's, it's just such a great example of, of the democratic party, you know, just this, this once great institution, just so, so rudderless, um, you know, no, no direction. And now, you know, we have parts of the party that are like, we got to help these people. We got to get it done. We got to do it right now. And then other parts of the democratic party are like, no, we got to make sure that we means test and we shouldn't give out checks to people who don't need it or deserve it. And it's just, it, it completely misses the point. And we're sitting here Friday, March 20th and Congress is not, they're not going to be in session on the weekend and just nothing's going to get done again until Monday. And even then, there's no guarantee that things are going to get done. And it's just it's it's just crazy. There's it, people who need help right now, and they're not going to get it. Yeah, and, I mean, they need help right now, and they're not going to get it. And without passing something right now, it's only going to take more and more time. It's not like they're going to congregate on Monday and be like, oh, yeah, flip on the switch. Here we go. Like, 
this is a giant bureaucracy that has to go through level after level after level to actually get it into the hands of people. Like, at some point, you just have to clamp down and be like, you know what? There are people that are going to get money that probably don't deserve it. But we're better off doing that. But you're so you're I mean, you're just like, think of how much better off you are in the world with 90 percent of people needing it, getting it as opposed to making absolutely sure that even one person doesn't like so who cares if 10 percent of people. I completely get a check. agree. I completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's better off to you know what? 10% of people are going to rook the system under these circumstances. I mean, they're shitty people, but it's better off that we get the money to the people. Yeah, it's, it's and uh, it's just like, okay, so for example, I, I don't even know what, what is going on with Canada in, in terms of uh, aid, helping people, healthcare, uh, you know, uh, wage, hourly wage workers, like what's going on with them? Uh, so basically everyone, uh, who has been laid off has been told to go on to employment insurance, uh, which everyone pays into. So, uh, that should, I think 500,000 people on Friday actually applied for it. And they're trying to work out the quickest ways to get people their money for that. People that don't qualify, there's a special government funding set up for that. I don't know if it's all been enacted yet or not. Uh, Justin Trudeau comes on every day at 1 PM Eastern time to address the nation in both English and French. It's really confusing because like he does the same answer in English than French instead of holding two separate ones. And then does Canada have its own stock market? This is, this is a a laughably unknowledgeable question of me, but does it? Yeah. The TSX, the Toronto stock exchange. Okay. What, what, like, do you, I mean, again, people like, I don't know anything. Right. Or I, I know what I say on the show. Like I'm, I, I certainly am not a, a stock genius, but like, what do you know the difference between the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange in terms of like equities and commodities that it has? No, no. Yeah, I okay. Have, All right, it's, uh, it's people are not coming to the show to learn about these things, anyways. But what what happens to the Toronto Stock Exchange when Trudeau does these speeches at eleven in the morning? Now uh, let's see. Uh, they seem to go up when he comes on air, and then immediately, like they they rise, it goes up for a bit, then it goes back down. Like it's not. Over the past, let's see if I can go past month, how much is it down? So it was at $17,900. Today it is at $11,800. Not great. Not great. So like, the reason I mention it is that literally every day when Trump comes on, every traded market in the United States dips like at least 1%. It is, it is hilarious. Like it is, it's so funny. Well, it's weird. Like, I don't really know exactly what's going on, especially like he comes on, he addresses us, he tells us what we need to know, takes some questions kind of thing. And then like the head. It is of- it is high comedy, by the way, if you're not if you're not and you'll only make it in like 10 minutes because it's so bad. But it's when what I am able to watch, it's very funny. He's he's he just is a character. Who? Uh, Trump? Trump. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just like. It's just like we're the biggest and the best, and the reporter, like he just is yelling at reporters and well, when, shaking people's hands. It's just, it's hilarious. Well, when he became president, this isn't what he signed up for. He signed up for like good time, like Trump in good times. How badly can it go? Trump in bad times, probably not the guy you want running things. Well, I mean, so that is the the point you make is a good one, and it's a point that. Um, uh, I've heard a couple people make, which is just that like, bad stuff doesn't really happen to you, Western countries all that often. Doesn't really, it doesn't really happen. In the United States doesn't really happen to Canada all that often. Like it's like, we're, we're pretty isolated. We're pretty comfortable here. Super rich. 
Um, obviously, there are huge swaths of the country that are poor that have a ton of crime. But but by and large, we kind of miss out on these tragedies. And, uh, you know, we, we've ran historically, basically, we've just ran really well. And uh, we are running really, really poor right now to have basically the worst possible person for the job at the worst possible time. And, uh, you know, that's just it's part of that's just paying the American tax, I guess. True. How is like I've noticed the, the, the biggest thing that I'm really surprised about, which I've noticed, is that so Trudeau is the head of the Liberal Party. He's our prime minister. And the guy that runs the premier of Ontario, so like the governor of Ontario, is basically what is Rob Ford's brother, Doug Ford, who people basically call like Canadian Trump. But the weird thing is he most of the premiers of the provinces are all conservative at this point. That's generally what happens. If if a conservative is the prime minister, most of the provinces elect liberal leaders. If same, a, same thing that's happened in the States. If, if, the if a liberal is prime minister, most of the provinces are conservative. But they're all kind of on the same page. It's like they all had a meeting and was like, here's what we're telling people. We need to kind of have uniformity on this one uh, just so people don't have a sense of like, oh, do I listen to this guy or do I listen to this guy? And frankly, I'm shocked. Like, I did not expect that to happen. You didn't expect the split to happen? I didn't expect everyone to be on the same page. I figured there would be a divide, would be a split. Oh, like, yeah. Don't listen to the prime minister. You should listen to me. But no, it's like they're and it seems like they're all just deferring to the health. Like there's one uh, there's one woman who's running all of like the she's like the face, like the head doctor or whatever it is. And she has her own press conference on after Trudeau every single day to tell people what's going on, what they should be expecting, what the latest results are, the update on people testing positive, that kind of thing. And everyone's just kind of listening to the experts. It's, it's, it's blowing my mind. So in the, in the States, I would say that like, as far as this being a big deal, social distancing, quarantine, whatever, I don't see much argument um, in terms of the political sides. Like, I don't see much bickering back and forth. It's just, for for whatever reason, and it's probably just because we have so much territory and so many people, uh, they're just, there's no agreement on what to do about testing. Like, it, it seems like, it seems like the federal government kind of wants to pass it to the states and the states are kind of like, well, you know, we don't have that much money. This is kind of a hard thing to pull off. Like you, you got to help us with the testing. Like, but that really seems to be the only point of contention in terms of like taking the, the, the infectious disease seriously. Well, that's good in a sense. Like the fact that once something real comes along, people can actually work together. And it leads you to believe that a lot of this other stuff, when people are bickering the other time, may not be as serious as people tend to make every single day. Yeah, that uh, that it's that's very true. I don't know. It's just uh, in times of in times of great contention, you 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 do always learn something about the way that your country works, and it is it is sort of interesting um, that I saw. I think Naval tweet this, which is that this is the only time in like the internet age, at least, you know, in the modern world that the entire world is working towards the solution of one problem, which is very interesting to think about. Hmm. I hadn't really thought of it that way, actually. So that is kind of interesting. Yeah, like every country has this problem. Every country's best and brightest people are trying to solve the problem. Because even I think the 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 richest um most selfish like horrible billionaire would tell you 
at the end of the day, you're not going to create any wealth. You're not going to make any money without the labor. Labor is essential to everything. And right now, this disease is preventing labor from occurring. And that's not good. That's not good for anyone. So so everyone, the laborers and the the I, I forget the Karl Marx would be offended with me. I kind of forget the, the oh, proper no. word. Not the bu- I, w- I wouldn't worry too much about Karl Marx. Not the not the not the bourgeoisie, but even the even the higher the pro- class. Like the, the we have the the bourgeoisie below them. You have the proletariat. Yeah, the I, the the proletariat are the workers, right? Yes. And and right now, every level of society is unified in. Well, they're all incentivized to find the same solution. Oftentimes, you will find that the different societal classes are going to have different incentives. And right now, literally everyone basically has the same incentive. Yeah, it's a lot like, uh, did did you ever read the original, like the comic Watchmen? Uh, no, I've, I mean, I've seen the movie, obviously, but have never, um, have never uh, read the comics. Yeah, so basically, in order to prevent like nuclear disasters during the Cold War, they created a fake alien invasion to essentially unite the world uh, because it affected everyone. That's, in a weird way, an odd metaphor for what's going on, but it's kind of what's happening. Although all the countries, some countries are working really well with each other, but then you have countries that you just, like, do we actually trust anything that's coming out of China? Doesn't seem like we do. I mean, I don't. Do you? Uh, no. And I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing is Trump. Like the, the, you know, one of the very annoying things about Trump is that it seemed like for about eight hours, he was taking it seriously. Right. And was like, this is, I'm not going to try and do my annoying thing. I'm not going to make this political. Like, obviously he made the full, the first two months of it about politics. And then, um, the it was after the Rudy Gobert thing, after all the postponements and that Friday press conference, which feels like a year ago now, <laughs> literally, literally a week ago from from the last time, I, actually you and I recorded um, uh, that morning, and then and then he starts in on like the the Chinese virus and stuff and just makes it his whole big circus thing, which is just it's I mean, like whatever, more power to him. I I I don't allow myself to be one of the Trump derangement people anymore. Like that guy, that guy can't put me on tilt anymore. Uh, it it is just funny to me, kind of at this point. Yeah, well, I'm glad you you've moved out of the the Trump derangement type person into back into the normal world where. Yeah, it's stupid, and yeah, it's it's racist, but it's just it's what's going on. There there are more pressing issues than that going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, a, another you know, for a, a weird thing is that in the in the middle that we're you know we're still dealing with the presidential election. We have elections coming up, you know, this year. Uh, what do you what do you think the what do you think right now the true odds on will elections take place on? November 3rd, what do you think the true odds should be and what do you think they are being offered at? I would say that there is a 98% chance that it happens on the day. That would okay, be my, well, the- that would be my, cause they will force them to happen. I mean, a, a lot of the problems that we're seeing in trying to effectively, you know, curb everything that's going on. And this is what I'll get into part two in my interview as well, is that there's so much individualism in both the United States and Canada and a lot of these Western countries. Well, that getting, I mean, everywhere, really. It's not, not like, chi- it's not like people. No, well, in, not in China. In you're China, right. that they will lock you in your house if you have it potentially. And there's nothing you can do about it. That doesn't fly over here. So, okay, that's true. But I was, I was more meaning like Italy, Spain, sure, England, but like uh, ele- yeah. elections mean things. 
especially yes. more, more so in the United States and probably anywhere else. It's in the Constitution that it happens on this day. It's going to happen. Yeah, that's, I mean, so I I actually am of the mind that if you can get someone to give you good enough odds that uh, that you should, that you should take elections will not happen on November 3rd, that they will either be, po- like, that they will be postponed or delayed. Like, what odds are you talking about? Like, 200 to 1? Uh, I mean, I think I would probably book it at like 50 to one that not that they not that they get canceled but just that they are postponed or delayed by some degree i also am so like when the last time you and i talked i was like a full 10 on the economy's going in the tank a million americans are gonna die bunch of people over the age of like the death rate of people over the age of 70 is gonna be like 15 percent i'm more of like a 9.5 now like i i am seeing I'm like seeing some cracks of positivity in a few different ways. So I'm not, I'm not, maybe I, maybe, maybe I would be more like a hundred to one that elections are postponed. So you're actually become, you've become more encouraged over the last week that, that I feel like that is not a typical response to what's been going on. So remember, you got to think that these things are going to come in cycles and waves for people. No one's going to feel the same way about it for months. And I've been worried about this since January. So I've had a long time to think about it. I've had a long time to talk about it and a long time to read the news and see what people are thinking about it. And there was this rumor that started even before any of the quarantining or anything that this chemical that they studied in France that the president actually mentioned in his press conference on Thursday has some ability and efficacy to treat the disease. And I would try and pronounce it on this show, but it's it's very, it's it's like chlorine, but not hydrochloroquine or something like that. And um, the other thing is, and this is, I have not, I've not heard anyone bring up this point. Not that I've really gone out and sought that much coronavirus coverage because I'm not trying to spin myself out, but the United States is just really big. We have so much land mass that trying to treat infection rates and the, the spread of disease the same in the United States as it would be in Italy, in Spain, in France, whatever, I think is bad and wrong because it doesn't account for just how much space we have and, and healthier air too is, is a big part of it. Hmm. That's, I mean, it's explain that to me again. Just say that again. So, so, okay. So, I mean, just think about how many people live in Italy or Spain and think about how close quarters they are. Like there are even their, even their little villages and their hamlets are going to be closer to one another than like two major American cities. Like major American cities are like hundreds of miles apart. Um, so in, for example, you can have this situation in Seattle in New York where it's terrible and probably a conservative estimate would be that tens of thousands of people are going to kind of needlessly die in Seattle and in New York based on what could have happened if we started working earlier, if we started social distancing earlier, if we started quarantining earlier. But cities like Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, these places that are huge but don't have huge infection problems yet, and people have already started to you know, do the, the curve flattening in these areas, we, like, it's such a big space 
that the spread of infectious disease is just a little bit more difficult here. It, well, it, it it could be that, or it could just be that we're seeing delayed results on everything too. And maybe it is there and it just took slower to actually get there. I hope you're right because it's a lot of the same thing that we deal with. In well, Canada, I, I'm like not even saying this is my official position. This is just why I feel a little bit more optimistic. Okay. Cause I mean, Canada would be an even more extreme example of that. Like I live in the most Vancouver and Toronto are the two most densely populated places. Uh, and this, the coronavirus has been around for a while here, but it, the infections are going up because you know, obviously more people are being tested and tested, but it does seem like it's not, we, we haven't had that huge like spike that you see on the chart yet. There's been like mini spikes up, but it's not just like one day, one day, uh-oh, 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 and it just keeps going up. Like it's been fairly consistent across the board. Uh, and maybe that's why, maybe it's because it's such a, you know, the certain percentage of the population only lives in so many places uh, and our country is like twice the size of your country <laughs> so the the i guess the other the other um point of optimism that i do sort of buy well i sort of buy and i sort of don't so i'll just present i will just present this theory to the people which is just the theory that the more testing we do, the more cases we find, but we've done barely any testing in the United States. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this virus is just super, super contagious. It's just very easy to pass and it's very easy to be asymptomatic. But the United States as a whole, you know, even including Seattle and New York, but also including other areas, we haven't even seen, you know, close to the death rates that we've seen in Italy, in Spain and uh, in, in China and in South Korea. So there's some evidence to suggest that a ton of people in the United States and in Canada probably already have it and they're not sick and they're not dead. So that's probably just like mathematically speaking, that's probably, uh, you know, a good indicator. Well, do you find just in your day-to-day life, people you know or what you see when you go and take the dog for a walk kind of thing, are people, do you feel like most people are self-isolating at this point? Certainly, I think that there are less people out and about, less people going to restaurants, less people even, you know, wanting to go to the grocery store multiple times a week than there was two weeks ago. But I still see people out, you know, uh, you know, I walk, I walk my dogs three times a day and I still see people out roaming around doing stuff. Like I, I think that is everyone social distancing? No, are way more people doing it than a week ago. Yes. Or even three days ago. Yeah, for sure. Is it enough? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Would you say that if you had to guess, would you say over under 50% of people are doing it? Under, under for sure. Really? Just no, no one, 50% of people in the United States will never do anything. It's just, I, it, my number would be my, my line would have been 33%. And that feels right about accurate to me. I was say, cause I, I don't really know what it is here. Cause I'm not really going out all that much, but I bring my son for a walk every day and I see people out, but you know, they're kind of by themselves. Like they're also just kind of getting out of the house. It seems like they're not like they're on the other side of the road. You know, you give a nod to someone, a smile to someone, they just kind of walk about their way. If I go to the grocery store, like I know that there are places where like the supermarkets are just out of control crazy. But if I ran up to the grocery store yesterday at the top of my street, like there was a few people in there, but not a ton. Yeah. So I, I have not left the house for anything other than to walk, my dog since last Thursday. So my last experience was I went to the grocery store last Thursday and uh, it was busy. 
it was not well okay so actually i went to walmart first because i was like you know i can get some more bulk supplies here and literally i i walked in and i was like this is not happening like nothing's here this is crazy and i left and i just went to my local grocery store which is right down the road from my house and got you know kind of all the supplies and everything i thought that we would need over the next two weeks and it was busy but not not too wild and that was that was the last time so that would have been on march uh 12th that was the last time i i left the house or did anything other than walk the dogs that's nuts yeah i've been trying to like like when i go and walk i usually go around and walk for like an hour like it's like stick to the side streets away from because i do see people i i do see people kind of out and about like in clusters there are people just not taking it seriously at all but you know there's nowhere you can really go anymore I mean, I live, so I live in the, I live in the burbs. So like I can go theoretically, like if I went, like when I go walk at lunchtime, I'll see other people. But like, if I go walk at, you know, six thirty seven with the dogs, like, but you know, after dinner or whatever, I might, I might be able to walk for 45 minutes and, and not see anybody like literally no, see no people. So but normally if you were to go do that, would you see people? Yeah, you'd probably see, you know, uh, like I just I see less people are walking their dogs less. I see like it, kids. I don't. I, I guess I haven't seen you know like no kids outside playing or anything. Maybe that's different. Uh, maybe I I would have seen more kids like out running around. And and the I mean the weather's been kind of crappy too. So maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, I I would say less people outside than a month ago. One hundred percent. That's true. Do you find that old people are taking this less seriously than young people? Yes, 100% because they just they don't get it. They just I don't is, is I don't it know. that they well, is it that they don't get it or they're just like I've lived through all of this other shit like this this will pass. Or it's just I'm so old I don't care. It's very hard for me to say with like out being like mean. I mean certainly it is some of like they just don't get it or you know, a lot of old people watch Fox News, and I'm sure on Fox News, they're just like, this is nothing. Don't even worry about it. Don't sweat it. And like my, so like all of my grandparents are still alive, and they are all taking it seriously. Like they are all quarantining, staying inside, like, you know, because they know it's really dangerous for older people. But I mean, I've heard, uh, I've heard, you know, some of like the Daily Rota subscribers, like I try to talk to my parents and they were like, nope, we're we're going to go have our bridge club or whatever i don't even know what old people do but like that they're not willing to interrupt their lives which i mean seems crazy to me but also maybe there is just something to what you just said which is that when you're a little bit older maybe you have more tolerance for risk just because you're like well what's what's the downside right like why do i want to live why do i want to live my life scared at 75 you know yeah if i'm 80 and who knows how long this stuff is going to last for that well, if I let's say you know you project you have uh, five years left, being optimistic, do I want to spend one of them not leaving my house? I'd be like, fuck that! I'd rather go live my life now and die next year. Like, I'm sure that exists out there. Like people think that way, and I frankly I, can't what, blame what, them. What would you What would you do if I you were? I, 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 that's such a weird. That's a bad hypothetical because I actually have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it is bad. I, I don't. I don't know either. I, I was just like as you were as you were saying that I was thinking like you know, what, what would I do? What would I think? And I, I don't have, um, I don't have a good answer. I don't know what I would do either. Yeah. So that's a shitty situation, but I do think that like, I, I'm to kind of go back to it. Uh, 
there is going to be, like I mentioned, some positives of people coming together a little bit, maybe getting on the same page, industries churning out different things, maybe some invention. The other thing that's happening is a lot of people that were not tech savvy whatsoever aren't necessarily becoming tech savvy, but the influence of technology on their lives, like the older generation is catching up very quickly. So, you know, old people are learning how to use Uber Eats or Fedora because they actually can't go out and go get the stuff anymore. That when all of this ends, you're going to see like even things like, like at my wife's work, like she's working from home now and they did their first ever video conference. Like she's a lawyer, like their law firm is now doing video conferencing because it's run by a bunch of old people. And they're like, oh, this is super easy. I don't need to leave my house that you're going to see a lot more of that in the future once things return to normal, I think. You'll definitely see more working from home, more work from home days. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if the fact that this was so sloppily, not sloppily, but just like this, these work from home plans, they had to be instituted like that, you know, like at, at literally at, at the drop of a hat. So I'm wondering if productivity for a lot of these workers is going to suffer. You know what I see, mean? I, I don't like, think so, because if you go to an office and work nine to five, and I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, How, we have. And I, I never have. I, so I have no idea what that's even like. So I have never had like a real, real nine to five job. I've had shift work and things like that before I got into this. But if you work nine to five, how much are you even really working during that shift? Like you're there to be there till five and then you leave. You might be done all your work at 11 a.m. Who knows? That productivity, I don't think is going to be, I think that's what these businesses are going to see is that people are working from home. Oh, left to their own devices. They're still getting all their work done. Why do they need to come into the office? Maybe we can right. cut back on the size of our office. Maybe people only need to come in two days a week for whatever, 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 instead of five days a week. I, I think that companies are going to see not necessarily an opportunity to downsize in terms of employees when things return to normal, but just the amount of overhead because technology can keep it all up. And the people that they need to learn the technology all kind of have to right now. Yeah, that is that is true. Like a lot of people are acquiring skills that they probably would not have acquired either ever or I mean for five, ten years or something like they, that. They just wouldn't. Like, like there are people that just simply would not know any of this stuff. Like banks canceled bank books. You have to do everything online right now. So Tim, who Andrew Kest, who still uses a bank book, like had to learn how to use an app. He's like thirty. My grandparents also had to figure out how to do it as well, but now they know how to do it. And that's just more efficient. Like, even if you think, like, the amount of bank books that go out is not, you know, ending the world's supply of paper, but now we're using less paper. Like, things like that. I mean, that is true. Yeah, just like, and there are, you know, there are pluses and minuses doing things digitally or or not doing things digitally. Um, but I, I, I'm generally a proponent of, you know, learning to do things that way uh sure but you're also you're also in your late 20s i can assume if you're like 58 and you don't know how to do this stuff it can be kind of jarring super jarring and i'm wondering i'm wondering how many people are um like resisting like i'm wondering if there are people who are like mad that they have to work from home or like mad that they have to download this app or 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 mad that they have to you know conference call with their boss or something 
I'm sure that they are, but eventually out of necessity, you're going to have to learn how to do it. Once you learn how to do it, like most things, it's, it's like with everything. One of the first discussions that we ever had about this was, you know, people tend to be racist and homophobic when they grow up in very isolated areas that are away from major metropolitan places. But if everyone just spent a summer in New York, people would be less racist. People would be less homophobic that once you get exposed to this kind of thing, that you don't fear it anymore. And there's just a lot of fear that's baked into it. That is very true. Yeah, that's a that's a, a super true point that there just is, there's going to be a lot more, there's going to be a lot more people being exposed to things that they never, that they never would have before as a result of this, which I think is, that part is definitely good. Like that's got to be, that's got to be a net good. I mean, this is not going to be a net good on society no. probably, but there are going to be some things that, yeah, that are, definitely good that improve the lives of, of people that uh, that you know don't die well i i don't want to step too much on the uh, the second part of my interview where i do talk about this but i did want to ask you do you think that community building is going to be a little bit stronger right now like do you see people offering to like instead of hey and like with neighbors kind of thing if you have contact with them reaching out to see if like people are okay if they need help instead of sending 10 separate people like you remember the scene in swingers where everyone drives to the party in their own car that hey maybe a carpool or in this situation maybe one person goes and gets stuff for five people like that kind of thing like really trying to help out your neighbors like do you see any of that because i do here like it's frankly shocking again like i'm just surprised at all of this the fact that people are reacting to it in a manner that I think is less selfish than I would have anticipated myself included. Cause I'm a pretty selfish person and I'm trying to you know, do what's best, not necessarily for everyone, but as many people as I can help out. Yeah. So like, that's not been like a ton of my personal experience. Cause I don't, uh, I mean, I don't really know my neighbors and I don't have any uh, like elderly neighbors to my knowledge, but like, if like, I, I would say I'm, I'm probably kind of like that in you in that sense of like, I'm not trying to go out of my way to help people all the time. Not that I'm like selfish, but just maybe I'm not like a selfless person, but I certainly in this situation, I would be willing to, you know, go to the grocery store um, or, you know, like if someone knocked on my door and like, they were like out of milk or what, like I would be like, I would be more willing in this circumstance to like reach out and to help someone than on just like an average day for sure. Well, it's weird. Like, if a stranger came to your door now, even though the fact that everyone is self-quarantining and that they might possess the virus or whatever, you think that there would be a fear, but the natural human reaction is to help that person out in a time like this, where if everything was normal and a random person came to your door being like, hey, I need some help, you'd be like, fuck off. Uh, I mean, I probably, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say, I probably wouldn't say fuck off, but I probably, no, but, like, like, certain- but like there's, there's an actual danger to like getting close to people right now, or at least there's a potential danger of that. But now as a community, we see less yeah. of a danger in helping people out or doing something for someone else, where if it was just normal day-to-day lives, you'd be like, why can't you just do that yourself? That That's really yes, strange. That is that hundred percent. That is true. Yeah. Like it just, I, uh, the average person would be more willing to do something selfless right now than, than in not a global pandemic. That is for sure. True. How many email lists have you unsubscribed to? I didn't realize I was on so, so many, many email lists. So why many. does everyone, I mean, have, and like, I, why do I care about like, is it, cause I think it's going to really work against some of these companies that I'm now off their mailing list because I didn't, I, I forget if I told you this. I Maybe we talked about this last week. I, I feel like I'm having the same discussions, both uh, I'm trying to 
isolate the stuff that I talk about on the show with the stuff that I'm talking about with people in day-to-day lives. Um, just, I mean, it's a lot of similar, there's one thing people want to talk about right now and it's this and like how you're getting through everything. The NFL was a nice diversion for a sec, but like I didn't need to know what my fireplace company thought about COVID-19. I really didn't. What was the, what was that? Was that the worst place that you got? Not the worst, but just like the funniest randomest place that you got one from? I, I don't know. It was one of the first ones, though. Like, they were on top of it. I was like, All right, weird. Like, that you can barely the, get to my house when I call you during good times, but you're on top of the coronavirus pandemic. The the one that I got where I was just like, this is stupid. Like, I just, I don't, I don't need this email was there was this pita restaurant where I went to college. So I haven't lived there in six years. And they somehow had my email. I've never gotten an email from them before. I got an email from Pita Pit about how they're handling the COVID-19 situation. I was just like, this is literally the stupidest email. I mean, I've gotten a lot of dumb emails, and this is the dumbest email I've ever gotten. Uh, the other thing that I, before we get out of here, the one thing I did want to talk to you about, because, I mean, my, my wife is a very anxious person. I know you're a pretty anxious person, too. I'm not in the slightest. Yeah. Like, I am, I'm fairly optimistic. I always think nothing bad is going to ever happen to me. But now that this is around, like, anything, anything that's wrong with me, like, I woke up with a sore throat the other day. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I got You're it. dying? But I was like, all I did yesterday was drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. Like, this is no different than any other day. I had a glass of water and my throat felt fine. But for that second, it was in me like, oh, my God. Like, th- this is not good. Like, I, what's going to happen now? Like, I'm running through those scenarios in my head. And that's not really the type of person that I am. That I can't imagine the stress this is putting on people who do have anxiety who do have anxiety or, or depression or shit like that. Like, I think my wife's doing a pretty good job with maintaining her cool, but I know it's stressing her out. And it's, it's one of these situations where, you know, if you talk to someone who's depressed, like, you know, some people say, well, just fucking cheer up. Like, that's obviously not how it works. And it's the same thing with anxiety that you, know, you can't just be like, well, stop being so anxious. Like that's, it's not how it works. So it's hard to, try to quell some of the anxiety without sounding like patronizing or saying something stupid at the same time. Just, I feel bad. I, w- I wish I knew how to you know handle it a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so my, I guess my experience with it is, is like, yes, like the, the, I mean, one of the biggest challenges about literally locking yourself in your house and only leaving to walk your dogs. Some, I mean, first of all, I, 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 I absolutely cannot imagine doing this without dogs. Like I, it would be a much worse experience, but like, like that is, that's obviously it's bad for your physical health, but it's bad for your mental health too, for sure. And, um, so like finding a way, like finding things to do to keep your body, moving to keep your your brain moving like if you have strategies you should definitely be trying to employ those um maybe we'll have maybe we'll do a mental health episode of this podcast at some point kind of depending how long we're all locked in our houses but i also had a day where i thought that i had this too it was last saturday i woke up and i just felt like really sluggish and i didn't have a temperature but i like i just felt crappy i had a cough like i just felt gross and bad and um I've probably never taken more vitamins in my life. I'm taking multivitamins. I'm taking zinc. Uh, I'm drinking like a probiotic drink like every day just because I'm like, I want my body to be like at its A plus functioning if it can be. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to remember too, is like, how do you usually feel mid-March where you live? 
it's probably a bit of a bummer. You're probably kind of sniffly and sick anyway. Like, and you're going to have this added pressure to think, oh my God, there's something wrong with me at this time. And like, it could be worst case scenario. And if something is wrong with me, I shouldn't go to the doctor unless I'm really, really sick. Cause I, if I do have it and I'm not dying, I don't want to spread it. I don't want to, I don't want to give it to a doctor or whatever. Yeah. So there's just a lot of confusion going on right now. And I think that's where a lot of the fear comes in. That's why I think that taking a break from social media, especially right now, like most people could use a break in general in their day-to-day lives. Like right now, Maybe figure out how to get the information you feel like you need to get. But just seeing, and there's, like, I've tried not to tweet about it at all. Like, I've kind of saved all of my thoughts for doing these shows with you or for the shows. Because at least then there's some context to it. Like, you can see here, like, you and I are just two buddies. We're talking about this. Like, I'm sure a million and billions of conversations are going on between two people who don't know the answers to things right now or for people who don't know the answers to things. But a lot of people are taking stands on social media. Like they know what the fuck is going on. Like here's what's going on. And that's, that's not helpful to read. And it's only going to stress you out more. Yeah. It's not helpful to read. And it's like, that's just a, that's probably like a good thing in general to know is that like everything mostly happens in probabilities. So like the more you think about things in probabilities and the more you think about cause and effect and potential solutions, like, uh, like all of that is going to be more useful and more helpful than just like, uh, like this is the, this is the end. This is the apocalypse. Like that, that for sure does not help anybody. And even something like social distancing and self-isolation. I mean, I have no idea if that's actually going to work. It might not. But it seems like a good idea. Probability says this is how we curb this, at least for the moment. It's the best solution that we have. So this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, best. I mean, best solution that we have. It makes intuitive sense. People who people who know math, people who know infectious disease better than I do, say that it's going to work, say that it's going to help. So... I buy it. I, I, I'm in on all of it. Like it just, it, and, and, you know, great, but what do I got to do? I got to, I got to sit in my house and I got to watch, got to watch Netflix. I got to try and read books uh, that, you know, that's a, uh, that's fine by me. Yeah. Let's end with this. I released an exercise show on my feed with a personal trainer. Like I mentioned, uh, I think it's important for people to be exercising. Uh, and totally. I mean, I, I'm just talking about this from my perspective that I feel healthier mentally. I feel more clear. I have more energy, and everything, even if I'm doing like half an hour, of, I've tried to work out every single day. Like I have a few weights at my house so I can lift for a little bit. So I'm not like losing strength. Like I'm not trying to get gains and I'm not trying to get a six pack or anything at this point. Like I'm just trying to stay relatively active just so I feel better uh, because that's going to be a part of this too, is that people are going to be sitting around doing nothing. Even if the people don't exercise to begin with, even if you're listening to this right now and you just go to the office every day, which means walking out to your car, getting out of your car, walking into your office, walking around at the office and going home. Like you're a pretty sedentary person to begin with, but at least you had that going for you. Now you're just physically like not getting up off the couch. Like don't turn into the people from Wally. Uh, You're going to feel better if you just, whether it's, a few cardio moves just get up and try to move a little bit even if it is like the half hour of walking whatever it is i guarantee you you will feel better if you start to do some of these things yeah you'll you'll feel better and i mean pretty much like every uh uh like actual doctor like what what's the word i'm uh physician and psychologist psychiatrist whatever they'll tell you if you're feeling bad you're feeling down you're feeling anxious like the first thing you should do is is some sort of physical exercise. Like that is generally a quick cut like solution to 
finding ways to make your brain feel better. I would completely agree with that. Like I, I know that like when I went from being pretty like isolated myself, just from an exercise perspective to exercising full time uh, and just trying to do something every day, like I just, I physically felt better. Like you said, and like mentally I feel sharper all the time and I don't get like for the first day I didn't do anything. And usually like if I take two or three days off from the gym by day three, like I feel weak, like my body doesn't feel right. Now that's just an effect from working out all the time and being in a routine, but just physically getting back into it, like your energy level rises. Then you don't have these feelings of, Hey, like some people right now are sitting at home thinking they have it just because they're not moving at all. Like they're not actually sick, but they feel shitty because they're not moving. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, and, uh, that is, uh, that was like a specific CDC thing when they, when they did their big, like coronavirus, coronavirus pamphlet. One of the things they said is that, uh, you know, people with healthy immune systems, um, are, are just good. They're going to be able to fight it off. If they get it, they're going to be less likely to spread it because their body is going to kill it off and, you know, sleep vitamins, good good nutrition but also a big part of what their thing was was you know try and find a way to get exercise because exercise is going to keep your body uh making all the stuff that it needs to make to be healthy and balanced well i think we've hit the the cap on what i can talk about today do you have anything else i mean i could talk i could literally talk about this stuff for hours but i think that the people have gotten uh i think that the people have gotten enough of what they of what they came here for all right. Well, part two of my show is up next. Uh, if you want to continue listening to coronavirus talk, uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to take a break from it. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, if they made it to this point, I don't even know how long we've recording, but if they're still here, they for sure want more coronavirus talk. Well, stay tuned on the Pat Mayo Experience feed because uh, we'll have about another 40 minutes of this. Different topics, of course, uh, trying to get a full picture of what this is. But I do think that you know, take the time to FaceTime someone like even like group where I did some group workouts with my friends. Like we just all FaceTimed in and had a push up competition because we're fucking bored out of our minds doing stuff. But just shit like that, like try to communicate with as many people as possible too. like not face to face. But if you can Skype them, if you can FaceTime them, whatever, like people are sitting around. The one big drawback to this is my parents now, now that I'm home all the time. So they call me all the fucking time. Like before I could say like, oh, I'm at work. But now they're like every day. Like, oh, God. And I, I hope Tough that they're scene. okay, but like, I don't need to be talking to my dad. He literally has nothing to talk about. Well, I mean, that's, I just, I, I I'm saying, I'm going to send some prayers up for you. That's Thanks. that's not a scene anyone wants. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers for Pat on that one. Thoughts, T's and P's, T's and P's for Pat Mayo. All right, dude. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. If you're listening to this on the take cast feed, go and subscribe to Pat's show and Pat, of course, thanks for joining me and coming on, buddy. Always. Digging in a little bit more to the different type of media that has popped up around the pandemic going around. Uh, So whether you're calling it COVID-19, whether you're calling it coronavirus, whatever is like SEO viable at this point, that's something we're probably going to get into here. Joining me is a podcast producer, uh, Shawnee Suisa of the Pandemic Times. You can go check that out on all podcast platforms right now i'll provide a link in the description to this video and this podcast uh, so you can go subscribe to that right now so let's bring her in can you tell the viewers of the pat mayo experience a little bit about what is going on with that and your dad who's hosting it yeah of course so thank you thank you for having me pat it's a pleasure to be here uh, you know i'm quarantined right now with my boss who is my dad and he is always eager to create new content and i think 
us having the ability to be able to produce podcasts at home is a really big benefit. And so we have been doing a daily show called Pandemic Times. It's a subset of his or a season of his show, The David Suiza Podcast. Um, and, you know, it's just his daily it's daily remarks on, on what's going on here because I think so many people are going stir crazy. They need a voice to listen to. He's a big member of the Jewish community. He runs the Jewish journal here and people trust his voice. They want to hear what's going on. But more importantly, it's it's to give them content to be able to relate to and to get through this time. It's not 100% um, dedicated to the practical advice or the medical advice or digging into the science of what's going on. It's really just a roundup of um, the insights that we're dealing with now and and the change in culture that we're dealing with now, which I think is the biggest deal to our psyches is the fact that now all of a sudden everything has shifted. How we work has shifted, how we interact has shifted. And so many people can relate to that. So many people want to hear his thoughts on that. So we've been putting that out every single day at 11 a.m. And it's uh, it's been awesome. So when you're rounding up information, like right now, if you're you know just scanning Twitter, for example, or you're on like Reddit boards, not mainstream information, it's just a place where people can post information. But at some times, even when you look at some of these major news outlets that you're not you know necessarily knowing what you're getting, it's a lot of people guessing half the time. How does he parse mm -hmm. through and how do you parse through like what you can actually call like reporting and hey, we know this for sure. Or do you have to like weed out a lot of the stuff being like that? That doesn't sound very legit. <laughs> That's actually a great question. So yesterday's episode, was it yesterday? It might've been two days ago. There was a segment that he had put in there that I actually decided as the producer to cut out, uh, which was medical advice from the BBC. And a lot of it contradicted what I had heard on the Joe Rogan podcast with that uh, expert who came on and talked about the myths and the things that were going on uh, that the news, like you're saying, is putting out there and we're sort of unsure what's true and what's not true. And so when he started reading out these bits, I was just like, we, you know, we can't do this. We're not, we're, we don't have a PhD in infectious disease. You know, we're not epidemiologists. We are not the experts on this topic. And I think spreading false information is one of the worst things we can do, especially when it comes to something so serious as coronavirus and what's happening right now and, you know, things that people can contract. So, you know, I've been I've been pretty uh, strict about that with what we put out there. But for the most part, what we're putting out there are you know poems about things that are happening now, um, maybe Jewish insights uh, from a rabbi and what he thinks you know this means. Like today, we had a really cool discussion and bit about the fact that uh, that now everybody's going to be able to keep Shabbat, the Sabbath, which the Jewish Sabbath is essentially from Friday night to Saturday night. Nobody drives, nobody does this. And it's great for the environment. And now worldwide, we're having to do this. And so the benefit of that is you know, no pollution, no driving, everyone's staying with their families. And that's a big, there's big benefits to that. So we talk about that kind of stuff more. And, you know, we also talk about what's happening locally in LA. There's a lot going on in this city that I think other cities can relate to as well. The grocery stores being jam packed. And, and then we go into the practical stuff that we know for sure is true, right? Wash your hands, which masks work and which ones don't, you know, the, the, there's so much out there that you can find out for sure, but we do stay away from the myths, which people really need to be careful about that. There's a big myth that I wanted to spell, which is the fact that you cannot get coronavirus from your pets. So people need to stop dropping off their pets at the shelter and abandoning them because they 
think they can get coronavirus from them. It's a big problem here right now in SoCal, and it's it's been driving me crazy. It's going to be one of these things where people there's always a certain segment of the population, like you've seen behavior adjust itself and people are adapting, but it's not everybody. There are still mm, people mm-hmm. out there doing different things. So if people can use a pandemic as an excuse to get rid of a dog they don't want, they're just going to get rid of a dog they don't want. What, what's anyone going to do about it right now? Because you know, there are, whether it's the police, whether it's medics, attention is so focused on one thing and one thing in particular that there's going to be a certain segment of the population that thinks they can get away with everything. And right now they kind of can. Well, I was, I actually just did an Instagram live. I was, when I was doing my makeup, I went live since that seems to be my only form of socializing these days. And one of my friends was tuning in and she's a bounty hunter in Seattle. And she said, yeah, she said that murder rates, homicide rates have been increasing rapidly throughout this time because what's happening is they're letting people who have been arrested for homicide just go free because they don't want to bring people into the jails. They're, you know, they don't know what to do right now. There's so much going on that literally murderers are being let off without without any sort of fine or warning or anything any anything i mean they're literally just being let off and so one of the reasons why they're being told to stay inside is because the murder rates are increasing which is just a crazy concept to me yeah and there's also like i I noticed it because i mean obviously i'm in canada you're in the u.s so things are just a little bit different i think Mm. with how a lot of this is going on like i there are certain elements to this that i didn't even think about because if it doesn't affect my day-to-day life you know (laughs) extrapolating on how other people are dealing with it in some of the different situations uh just they they don't occur to you and i I don't think that i'm alone in thinking that way because right now you know when you're on self-isolation or you're in with your family uh but things like there was a certain they're opening up new shelters right now across the country and a lot of money is being poured into because everyone has to self-isolate that some people are stuck in like domestic abuse situations where Mm. there needs to be money put towards that. And like, Oh, in my house, that's not something that we think about. But now that I've kind of heard it, I was like, that makes a whole lot of sense. And there's, different reaction to a lot of it like employment insurance is going to be one thing what you can collect i know down in the u.s they're talking about giving people a certain amount of money every month so they can move forward banks are putting mortgages on hold and just different types of things but no one prepared for this maybe people should have prepared for this well the government should have prepared for this but (laughs) they absolutely should have (laughs) but they but they didn't so now that we're like day five day six into this it's really weird that uh, policies are being put in place, help is being offered, people are coming up with ideas, but a lot of like the visceral reaction and the selfish reaction is to, well, that's great and everything, but what about me? Like some of the stuff's got to mm. take time, doesn't it? Mm, definitely. I, I, I think a lot of what you said there was uh, was pretty spot on in the fact that so many people aren't thinking about the vast ways that this coronavirus this quarantine can affect people and another one to bring to your attention would be kids who rely on school lunches that's been going around my facebook feed which i'm pretty pleased that people are actually being uh, made aware of this but there are so many kids who are not fed three times a day who are not even fed at home ever and they rely on school food in order to get their food every single day and so that's a big thing as well also kids who are in uh in situations of abuse at home as well just like domestic violence cases you know this kind of stuff is happening every day that we don't realize and now these people don't have anywhere else to go but the their you know the home that they're trapped in which is not a good environment and so i feel for all of those people and i do hope that we do something about it but the reaction 
our country has had has been so slow. Canada, in my opinion, has also been so slow. I think the Western world, the Americas, has been incredibly slow to the take with all of the policies that need to be put in place. The fact that we are relying on China for all of our generic medicine is insane. All the manufacturing happens there. The masks that they've been hoarding because they manufacture them and they need them as well. We are so reliant on other countries. And I've been saying this for years. I've been saying that one of the worst positions America is in right now. And one of the biggest things we need to focus on is our debt to China. We are so indebted to them in so many ways. And now we're seeing all the other ways that we're indebted to them by medicine, by mass, by manufacturing of so many products that we need right now. You know, we had since November, since December, I mean, we really knew it was serious by January. So in January, they could have had so many Americans building uh, temporary hospitals or converting spaces. We could have had quarantines going a long time earlier. We could have had uh, hand sanitizer manufacturers start moving over here. I mean, there, there's so much that we could have done. You know, there, there's so much that we could have enacted and put in place. And it's all been so slow. It's all been so slow. I mean, I, I wonder what you guys feel in Canada because Trudeau has been really uh, lacking his whole the the border policy has been horrible in my opinion uh, not that really it's the biggest factor because once corona is in it's in but still he could have done something else you know he's been very uh cautious about making any moves and i don't think right now is the time to be cautious i think we need to have we we needed to have lockdowns in america and in canada uh, i would say three weeks ago four weeks ago well now we're past the point of no return with that in terms of actually getting mm. it on the table so the big thing, I, as I've kind of seen around talking to people I know, just watch, just witnessing people on the streets and just even what you see covering up on the news is, yeah, the reaction has been way too slow, but this is where we're at now. So it's no good to relitigate what should have happened three weeks ago. It's all about what we do today and what we do tomorrow in order to try to curb all this stuff. But it's in China, it can be one thing where... When you get off a bus, they take your temperature. When you go into your office, they take your temperature. But that's not going to work over here. The, it, mm -mm. It's a different society. It's a t different type of freedom that we experience over here. And there are some people who just want to say, no, I'm not doing this. Uh, and it's really hard to counteract that. Even if 80% of the population is doing things one way, there's going to be another subsect of 20% that are going to do it their way. They don't want to be told what to do. And that's ingrained in the populations mm. of both of our places. So even if they do enforce a lockdown on everyone and shut down businesses and do everything like that, there's people who are going to disobey that. And if that's the case, then yeah, we can quell a lot of what's going on, but it's you know, not going to solve a lot of the issues. So you you have to factor that in too when you're trying to come up with a realistic solution like there's the on paper solutions that can definitely work but what's realistic and i think that's what everyone's really struggling with right now yeah you know I, something that you said that's really important is that we're a different society so when i look at the numbers in china to try and predict you know how long it's going to take for things to slow down here it's impossible because in it's a communist country there's so much more about the whole as opposed to the individual and on top of that if you don't listen to the chinese government the punishments like you said we have we have so many freedoms here it's completely different and so for them they absolutely are all listening they've been so strict about it and it has taken them from what october until now until they've seen a slow and i don't trust any of the data coming out of china i don't trust a single bit 
they have lied since the beginning they have lied about the fact that it was not human to human transmission i mean they've lied about so many things their numbers and so the fact that they're saying they have no new cases now i don't know if i trust that you know i have no idea if that's even accurate and uh we on this side are going to have that problem like you're saying of of the 20 percent or the 10 percent or however many people are just going to go about doing things the way that they want to do it and and they're really going to ruin it for the rest of us you know we have to get into the mentality of we need to work together this is an instant shift you know there's a great book um the is it seven successful habits of um uh the seven habits of highly successful people i believe it's seven it could be 15 i might be wrong but it's a phenomenal book and the one thing that he talks about that always really stuck with me is the fact that if you want to make a change in your life, you need to have a paradigm shift. You need to have a shift in how you see things. And right now, what's happening across the board in both Canada and America is that we are having to completely shift how we view our roles in society. You know, it used to be we live for ourselves, we work for ourselves, we do everything for ourselves to try and make it as our own individual. And now we're seeing this huge problem that is gonna require each person to act as an individual, but for the group and to do what's better for the group. And that's a really hard thing to get us all to, that's a really hard mindset to have us all shift in all of a sudden. And so we really need to wake up to that. And I'm afraid that it's gonna require Corona getting as bad as it is in places like Italy or in China for us to be able to make those kinds of paradigm shifts in our mind. You know, I hope it isn't, but I, I do think that that's what it's going to take. And, you know, staying healthy is going to be the, the biggest thing. We're going to see so many people who are going to realize that health is really a factor. Uh, one other thing that um, they've mentioned a few times in terms of risks in America, I don't know how bad the obesity rate is in Canada, but in America, obviously it's horrible. And that's something that the Chinese had not, you know, didn't have to deal with. So the fact that we have that here is going to be something that will raise the fatality rate of coronavirus. It's a health factor. It's a pre-existing health condition. You know, it's going to lower your immune system across, uh, across all your vitals. You know, you have to think about that. And so I'm hoping maybe this will make people healthier. Maybe it will make people more health conscious, but it's definitely something else to factor. So we already have two things that are going to put us in a worse position than China, our individualism and our obesity rates. So up here, it's not quite as bad, the obesity rate as it is in the United States. Still not good though. Mm -hmm. it, it's still one of the higher ones in the world. And I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand with the individualism that you, that we're talking about is that given the choices that you have, uh, yeah. you know, some people are just going to indulge. Uh, so I actually have a show up on my feed right now, both in the audio version and the video version. Uh, I had a personal trainer on talking about different exercises you can do at home, body weight. If you're a bit, it's all for beginners. So if you're just sitting at home, I mean, a, it breaks the monotony of day-to-day -day life too. It can just, if you're going to be self-isolating, especially if you, like, especially if you're by yourself, like, you know, the mental health aspect that goes into that mm. is so large that just releasing endorphins, getting your body moving can just help you feel better at home too. And of course, if you do cardiovascular exercises, it's going to improve your immunity and to help fight this just a little bit, or at least not make you so susceptible to everything. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk yeah. to you about this, despite the fact that you're producing a daily pandemic podcast, <laughs> uh, is the fact that you know it's so linked in uh, with the Jewish community. And you talk about community and how we're all going to 
almost have to come together as a giant community to try to beat this thing. But do you think that subsects and individual communities that exist out there now, and it doesn't need to be just the Jewish community. It can be the Indian community. It can be any community out there. Do you see people working together and talking to each other virtually at this point to try to solve some of these issues, whether it's helping elderly neighbors, whether it's getting money to people who need supplies, who can't leave their house or are recently laid off. Do you see that at all starting to shift just Mm. a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the Jewish community is phenomenal when it comes to giving back and helping each other. It's it's really one of my favorite parts about Judaism. Like I myself in belief, I'm an atheist, but I culturally and will always call myself a Jew. And and I love the culture. I love what we do as a community. And we've seen that a ton. And we, we've seen that in the past as well. But I, I do see uh, the Jewish community as reacting faster than the rest of Los Angeles. Most of the Jews in LA, at least most of the families in my neighborhood, were self-isolating for at least, you know, a week now. Uh, this, I guess, what, we're Friday? Yeah, it's, it's been about a week since we all started self-isolating, maybe even a bit more. And LA only went into lockdown as of today. So we, we were more um, aware that we really had to work together in that kind of way. I do think that there's uh, other communities that have been trying as well. You know, the challenge community is also a community online. And a lot of my friends on there have been keeping up with everything that's happening with Corona. What do we need to do? And trying to advise everyone what they can do and what their role needs to be. And so I do think the subsects like you're talking about are better at working for the group than they are for the individual like most others. But um, if we could all come together in that same way, then there's definitely a lot of potential. And And, you know, LA, it's like this city didn't even realize what was going on until last week, really. It's almost as if one day they just all woke up and were aware that they had to start getting groceries or that they had to do anything to to act in regards to Corona. But I hope that I hope that now, you know, not that the states are making big announcements, that we'll see that sense of community across the board. Do you have the app next door? Because that app has been phenomenal for me during this time. I've been on it uh, every day. I got a free weight set off of it, a free total gym off of it. I also have been offering my services to help anybody who needs groceries. There's quite a few other people who've been offering as well. Nobody's even asked me to help because I think there are so many people offering right now. And so I do think if people could get on that app and start helping their neighbors more and engaging with their neighbors more in their neighborhood, we'll see less of the community subsects being divided by, let's say, religion or culture and more about neighborhood and who's around you and who's around you in your space, because we're all going to be stuck at home. So we're all going to be, you know, we're all going to be in spitting distance from each other. Uh, When you open your window, your neighbor is right there if you live in a city. And and this is going to become our our immediate community around us we all have to be careful if you're taking your dog for a walk you know walk away from the other person coming next to you be cautious of that uh i do think that we will start seeing that as well but definitely the jews have stepped it up in my opinion and they've been far more prepared than the rest of la at least the the ones around me in the community that i'm in here well it's it's really strange because i live in a very dense area so i'm in downtown toronto Uh, So, you know, our square footage per person, very low. I would think in L.A. where it's such an expansive city, well, there is, Mm -hmm. you know, a ton of people, but it's a driving city. It's not a transit city that hopefully 
even though people, like you said, maybe were not taking it as a whole less seriously than everyone else was, that just where it is such a large and vast landscape that maybe you were able to dodge a few of the bullets of you know, a lot of the cases being spread around. Like I saw like the Disneyland stuff when that wasn't shut down. Like there's there's stuff coming from there. Like here, there's so many people. I mean, even still, like you know, subways are still open. Streetcars are still open. People are still, subways are still open. Subways are still open at the moment. Yeah. That is ludicrous, in my opinion. That is, that's absolutely insane. I mean, that's one of the biggest hotspots for transmissions is being so close to each other on public transport and underground. And I mean, wow, that's yeah. dangerous. Well, I mean, they've basically shut down, I believe now, not all non-essential services, but there's still people sneaking out to go into the office. Like this is, <laughs> this is it's, I assume it's probably the same case in Manhattan too. Like this is the mm. financial hub of the country. And when you have a financial hub of the country, there's people that, you know, want to, they're all losing, everyone is losing money at the moment. Uh, so yes, you know, they want to go in to try to protect themselves individually that way, even if they have to put themselves at risk. That's a calculated gamble that people are making right now. And it's not helpful for the, overall arch of society but you know people individually are going to make that choice and some are doing it yeah you know it's an interesting point the fa the financial aspect of this whole thing i got into a bit of an argument on facebook about it it, it didn't even i think we had a, more of a misunderstanding but it is something that needs to be discussed in the sense that how are people going to be able to take care of themselves you know so many people live paycheck to paycheck and I do hope that it's a wake-up call, though, to the people who are living paycheck to paycheck, that savings are important. They are so important. You know, we live in this world where what we want sells more than what we need. As somebody who's, you know, done many an entrepreneur venture, I can tell you that wants have always sold more than needs. And yeah, you can solve a necessity, and that's a great business model, don't get me wrong, but you can solve a want in today's generation and make more money than when you're solving a need. And I do think that it will wake people up to how much they spend eating out, how much money they spend just on a day-to-day -day basis when they're out and about getting their Starbucks. Like, do you really need to go get a Starbucks every single day? If you are someone who's living paycheck to paycheck, do not go buy a coffee. That's crazy. And I know plenty of people who do that. And I think it's absolutely insane. Buy your lunch every day. Think about times like this when this is going to happen and save for moments like this. And then also to the government, I believe that they should be saving for moments like this. You know, a stimulus check that's coming around is great, but that should have been in place and in action right when the shutdowns were happening. If all of California is shutting down, right, and, and they're kind of pausing things a little bit payment-wise, they're allowing delays here and there, but not really. People still have expenses. They're still, you know, paying for their internet bill. They're still paying for their phone bill, their rent. It's not like every landlord is going to be forgiving. So the government as well needs to put, a, put aside for these kind of things. And a stimulus check should have been sent out right when the lockdown was going down. You know, if they can't go to work, then how can they be expected to make the money? So it's it's... There's two parts to this, you know, there's the individual as the responsibility and the government has the responsibility. But, you know, I do think that being in such a dense location like Toronto, you're kind of at a higher risk, in my opinion, than we would be in LA, but it's still quite a packed city over here. And, you know, there's, there's still the risk, you know, people, people have been out up until a few days ago, people were packed at cafes on Sunset Boulevard, which to me was nuts. There was no sense of, even if the government is slow, we need to stop doing this. So there is still really high dense areas in LA that were very much so active and uh, busy and bustling uh, up until a couple of days ago, which uh, isn't yeah. going to help. Yeah. So th th when they shut down all the restaurants, so 
Restaurants are still open here, at least, uh, but for takeout only or delivery yeah, only, and they'll drop too. it off at, at the curbs. But it's funny you talk about, like, do you need that cup of Starbucks every day? The answer would be no to that and eating out no to that. But now that's really the only way you can basically safely get your food. And it's still going to cost you money. No provisions have been put in place to reduce the cost of that by any means. So mm. it, the thing that, you know, you had to not do to save up for is you, what you had to save up <laughs> for is what you have to do right now. It's so true. It's so true. It's, it's, it's a tricky situation now. And the worst thing I think for me, when I think about people who are living paycheck to paycheck is the fact that they weren't able to stock up on groceries like other people were. So, you know, if they if they were waiting for their paycheck to come on the 15th and everybody had already stocked up on the 12th and grocery stores were out of stock by the time they got there, you know, that's that's a a, a bad situation to be in. It's it's not going to be easy for them in that way and they're going to end up having to rely on things like Uber Eats and Postmates and you know, they have uh taken off delivery fees, which is great, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's still a fortune to get them sent in and I mean, it's going to be rough across the board financially. There, I have a lot of friends who work in the restaurant business in LA and they are bleeding. There's a few initiatives here to help some of the restaurant workers, but still, it's not going to be enough. No, and frankly, like if people want to talk about like, oh, there's this solution, there's that solution. Like we're going to have to work all through this to try to figure out what's going on. I, mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to fairly criticize the government for a lot of things, but trying to enact a plan, you know, if I come up with a plan today, you know, I can't enact it tomorrow if I'm the government. Like, it needs to have yeah. checks to it. It needs to be able to work. We need to figure out how to actually get the money to the people, how people don't take advantage of this in any sort of way to make sure that everyone gets the money that they get. It's a lot like when foreign aid is given to some countries that the money goes to the country, and then all of a sudden it's just embezzled by the government, and the money doesn't actually go to the people who need it. It's a situation Oh, that hello, Qatar. <laughs> and, but that's a situation that we're going to face right yeah. now, too, is that you know that there's going to be opportunistic people out there to trying to get their hands on whatever they can yeah i mean well that's that's uh, it's the opposition right now to the stimulus check in america is the fact that there needs to be proper vetting of who the checks are going to because the truth is a thousand dollars is not really going to help somebody who's on a couple million dollar salary you know it's not going to do anything but it could be absolutely game-changing to the housekeeper who makes a thousand dollars every two weeks you know that's that could be Uh, what stops her from being evicted from her house and so uh, i do think there needs to be vetting but you know like move along you know it has it has to happen at some point and i i think if you're shutting things down then you have to shut down expenses too in my opinion uh one one of the ideas i had that is partly a joke but also i do believe we have the right to to some sort of reparations from china china should be sending out money to all the countries that this is affecting, which is every single place in the world, or forgiving all the debts of all the countries in the world, because they're the ones who are causing this. And if they're going to continue to store their food so poorly in their markets and risk the lives of the entire world, this is a virus that is going global this quickly. I mean, they need to be held accountable for this. I I believe that they should be held accountable for this, but hopefully by the UN, I, I don't think that they ever will, but it should be something that's brought up. I'm going to say, good, good luck collecting that money from China. <laughs> we'll probably get our heads chopped off before we even get a dime of it. But still, you know, there, there has to be some sort of checks and balances to the global markets of the world. And, you know, I'm a vegan myself. I'm not like this huge vegan that goes around preaching it all over. But I do think when these kind of things come up, we start to see how important it is to just stay away from meats. And if anything, to, to eat meats that are properly stored and properly manufactured and, and handled 
uh, I've seen some horrible things in some markets when I've traveled around the world. And it's just, it's, it's gruesome. It's gruesome. I mean, yeah, it's horrible. And we have the education for it. You know, it's not like people don't know. We can go around to all those markets where people are storing things that way and enforce new laws and say this isn't good. I mean, what's how much does this all cost for China as a country right now? How much did this entire epidemic cost them financially? Because going around to the market where this happened and telling them they have to start storing things better would have cost them a lot less, you know, in, in the long run. It would, but it's a completely different thing, too. If we put in regulations over here that you need to sell things in a certain way or you cannot sell them, in China, it's just a completely different situation where you know, you're dealing with a lot of highly dense places, for one thing, but then you have a lot of people who are just out in the countryside, and these are the type of markets that are around. Like There's just – to try to – to try to enforce in China, and it's even different like looking at Canada to the United States. There's like 10 times as many people in the United States as there is in Canada. Uh, it's, it's a lot, too. Like when people say, oh, America should have Scandinavian-style economic system or healthcare or anything mm. like that, doing it for a 5 million person population and doing it for a 350 million person population yeah. is a completely different I hear story. You. But now we're talking about 2 billion people. Like the, I, I get, I mean, it's a completely different type of government. It's more authoritarian, uh, obviously than we have uh, and the lack <laughs> of freedoms that goes on. So you, they can say you have to do it this way, but you know, people are, people are poor over here. People are poor over there that it's just, yeah. it's not, it's not a quick fix and they don't want to spend the money to actually do it. It's definitely not a quick fix. And I hear you, you know, I've traveled a lot. I've been to so many different countries and I, I understand there's so many differences there, but China is one of those places where you, you're right. It's authority. It's the way that they govern everything. It's either you die or you listen, you know, it's, it's that sort of mentality. And I do think that they have a lot of power in that. And they also have all this research now that shows that everything that they were doing in that system is bad. And, you know, I don't know if they care as much about releasing the virus or not them as people, but the government. Um, I don't think governments always prioritize that, you know, it's not always their biggest factor. Uh, but I do think that this should be a huge wake up call for that. You know, this should be something that says like, okay, at least there needs to be something, you know, maybe two animals can't be stacked on top of each other, something along those lines, right? They can still eat bats, but you know, just don't stack them on top of chickens or don't have ferrets underneath them or something along those lines where other viruses could also be uh, transmitted and, and created from the storage that they're using uh, and, and keep it still friendly to what they can do. You know, so it's not like the fish have to be on ice. They can still be on the floor, but don't put chickens on top of the fish. Right. Or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that stuff is somewhat logical. The one thing that we need to be very careful of in terms of, you know, telling other places what to do is like you're projecting both our values uh, and even like even within Canada, within America, like there are certain places in both countries that are saying, oh, we're doing it right. You're doing it wrong. So you need to mm -hmm. do it this way. I mean, education oh, I don't think we do it right at all. Like, I, I don't think I don't think anywhere has really been doing it right for, for the most part. My idea is, you know, I've, I if, if we could, we'd all be eating carrots. You know what I'm saying? But but I do think that it's not about what we think needs to happen. It's about what the research is showing and they're studying it as well. And it's about what their research is showing. And so I just want them to take their own data and figure out what's going to work for them. That's just going to make it a better and safer situation, whatever that is. But a change does have to be made and it doesn't have to be to our liking. Like if they still want to be eating dogs and whatever else it is, I don't differentiate. Like to me, an animal is an animal. You know, I don't think just because someone is eating a dog, it's more horrific than someone eating a cow. Like I don't, I don't view it that way. And so I don't see it as, um, they have to pick or they need to only be eating cows like we are, but they just need to 
be realizing or at least acknowledging the data that's coming in from this virus and hopefully make some slight changes. It doesn't have to be revolutionary changes, but there could be some slight ones done, um, at least to just better our chances that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. Because that's, you know, we can prepare all we want, but these epidemics, I mean, how much do you think that Canada and the U.S. are really going to prepare for a pandemic after this one? I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I think maybe they will a little bit, but I don't trust them to like all of a sudden have, you know, all of our uh, medical manufacturing happening, all of our masks manufacturing happening locally. I don't, I don't trust that that's all going to happen fully. I think it's going to be a global effort across the board, or it has to be a global effort. Yeah, I just I just don't see nations coordinating that way all that well. There will be oh some, yeah, I don't see <laughs> there will be some sort of like internal backup plan, worst case scenario that's like not super well thought out. But the moment that this ends, whenever that may be, that the immediate target is going to be how do we get everything back to the way it was, and all efforts mm -hmm. will end up going to that without even really thinking about what if, you know, it's a temporary lapse in a pandemic and it just comes right back. Uh, I don't think a hundred percent. I don't think that there's going to be any thought into that. Uh, and just because so many people are going to suffer through this, whether they get it or not, it's going to be financial. It's going to be you know, mental illness, everything like that, that you're going to have to try to get people back on their feet and just return to normalcy as quickly as possible. That, that, that is what they're going to focus on. Mental illness is a huge factor that a lot of people aren't talking about as much. But I mean, if you're a depressed person who relies on being able to leave your house every day in order to keep the mood going, or you have seasonal depression, and you're now stuck in a winter home, you know, these are huge things that are going to be taking a toll. Somebody, somebody wrote uh, an interesting piece. I forget who the author was, but it talked about how with this recession that's going to happen with the economy that's going to crumble, the mental health is going to go down, and we're going to see suicide rates go up. And that's a scary thought for me as well. I don't want to see that. I don't think anybody wants to see that. Uh, and I do agree with you. I don't think that there's going to be this mass amount of preparation for the next pandemic after this ends. I feel like all attention is going to go on. Let's get us, let's get us rolling again. Let's get us back to what we were. Let's get the economy back to how it was going. Let's get just daily life back to how it was going. Schools opened again. And, and we're going to have, you know, we're might have a repeat of this whole thing. They say that it could, it could come back. So if you get infected and then you end up recovering from Corona, there's actually been quite a few people who have caught it again. That it could be a cycle. That's kind of scary, but I don't actually disagree with trying to get people like, yes, we obviously need some sort of fund or some sort of plan for a pandemic to break out. If any, this has taught us anything, it's going to be that. But mm. if we don't get the economy back on track, we don't get people back on their feet and a return to normalcy, or at least what the new normal might end up being, that, I mean, what's even the point of trying to prepare for a new pandemic? Like, that's a pandemic in oh, itself. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with that. I do think it is the priority. The way I see it, I think one of the best chances we have is going to be private uh, private initiatives for preparation for a pandemic. I, I see people like Bill Gates or any other large philanthropists and and uh, research funds and and those kind of human beings coming together to create some sort of plan for what would happen and 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 I trust them more so to come up with a plan than the government does and if I know Bill Gates as I think I've studied him enough over my years he will definitely be working on this and I, I do think that the government will have to prioritize getting things back on track it's just going to have to be the priority because you know there's so many things that this is affecting right now. I do agree with you on that for sure. So if we can get a lot of private initiatives going and have them kind of figure out this crisis, we'll probably be better off. But, you know, again, I, I, 
after looking into all the research and after seeing just how everything started, I just see this, I see this continuing on, you know, I don't think Corona, they say that the vaccine is not gonna be ready for another year, right? Or at least a year between testing and everything else that has to go into creating a vaccine. So, you know, the way that this thing phases in and out, and if it comes back in a different cycle, we just don't know. And I can predict us being in this kind of a situation for a long time. People have been saying May. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think well, a lot longer. Well, the the longer that this goes on, let's say, I mean, I think people are saying whether they believe it or not, people will be like at the end of April, May, everything will start yeah. to get back better. But I think that's just for peace of mind of people that if you told mm -hmm. everyone like, we're going to be on lockdown for a year here, like people will go crazy. And then people will be like, fuck it. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm just, I'm not going to stay mm -hmm. on lockdown. I'm going to go back. I'm going to risk it. Like that's, that is the big threat in saying and over projecting. That's everything. true. I think I would, I think I would say that to be honest, if someone said that we were going to be on lockdown for a year, that would actually be my initial reaction as well. You know, screw it. I'm, I'm about to leave my house. I can't be stuck here for that long. Yeah. So I, I think that there is a bit of that that goes into it as well. Like just trying to, and, and again, like there's so many ideal scenarios, which people are coming up with retroactively now. So an after the fact, an after the fact sort of hindsight type of what we should have done that there has to be a certain amount of pragmatism to all of this in order to actually mm -hmm. accomplish anything. And if it is saying like, Hey, it's going to be mid May and we should have you know, the curve, the, we should have the bell curve flattened a little bit. Maybe some people can go back to their day-to-day -day lives. Restaurants can open. Sports might come back, whatever it might be. Even if they mm -hmm. know that's a lie, at least to me, that sounds like a good lie. Yeah, it does sound, it does, it gives you hope. It does sound like a good lie. That's what I, I need in order to look forward to things and to keep your head in the right, you know, in the right headspace. Otherwise you're just going to go crazy. I don't, are, has, so Canada isn't completely on quarantine yet, right? Or at least Toronto isn't, you guys just have things closed down, but are people self-isolating? Is that, is that what's happening thus far? Oh yeah. So it's probably been about seven, eight days now, like the majority, the vast mm. majority of people, like I have been at home boy geez for eight or so days now my wife and i so beginning That's like good. not uh probably the friday previous to the one that we're speaking on so probably about a week now uh we've been mm. on self-isolation it seems like the vast majority of people are doing that like the streets are pretty barren i've traveled to, to the supermarket like you don't see people out i take my son out for a walk uh every single day on the side streets just kind of away from everyone uh and you know you see people out jogging every once in a mm. while people out walking just to get out of their houses but like people are not close to each other so it does seem like there's a lot of respect for it going around but i know that's not everybody yeah of course of course it's not everybody it's it's tricky my, my little sister she keeps going out which is driving me insane i mean she's not going out to big public spaces but still i just you know i think the the more we stay inside the better but it's gonna you know it's gonna it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard adjustment. We're lucky we work in such a, a mobile field. Uh, content is going to be thriving right now. This is where, this is the one industry, media, news, publishing, you know, because I work for the Jewish Journal and I do their podcasts. But as an organization, we're a news organization. We are constantly putting out stories. And so to work in news media right now is is insane. It's the one industry that is bustling, you know, apart from maybe grocery stores and things like that, uh, in terms of just regular jobs. Like this one, it, media has been crazy. News yeah. has been crazy. 
Yeah, it's funny, even for being a primarily sports and pop culture podcast with very little of that going on right now, I've been working <laughs> more than ever before because I think that people are not necessarily trying to get creative with what they're doing, but trying to figure out what they can actually talk about and try to have a responsibility to be relatively informed about what they're saying. Uh, like, mm. no, no one is coming to me and being like, well, Dr. Pat knows what's going on. That's definitely <laughs> not the case. But I, I yeah. think, but I do think that it's important like to see regular people talk about this and how it is affecting them because like you mentioned like mental illness is going to be a thing uh, a lot of people that are self-isolating that are by themselves they're consuming content to know that you know people aren't alone people need to hear that right now yeah definitely i i do think when you have an audience of any size you feel sort of responsible for uh, letting people in and, and showing what's going on in your day-to-day -day life, that they're not alone, that everyone's going as stir crazy as the next. And uh, I do think that being able to relate to people and, and hear the stories of what's going on is important. There's a really good piece by a historian that I was reading the other day about how important it's going to be to track the information of our day-to-day -day lives during this time. I mean, this is the biggest news story of our century, you know, of my entire life. I might be only 27, but this is the biggest news story and likely will be one of the biggest news stories of my entire life. It's going to be something I'll recite to my grandkids, you know, it's, it's huge. It is just huge. And just like we were reading diaries of, you know, the Anne Frank diary from the Holocaust, right? That's one of the biggest pieces of literature that came out of that time period. And so for us now, we need to think about it in that kind of way, like documenting our day-to-day -day life is going to be crucial. This is a huge story. It's global. And it's the only thing everyone is talking about right now. We've, all of our podcasts which usually have a, a jewish edge to them or talking about israeli elections and this and that and what's going on in politics and how it affects israel and so and so i mean they've all just completely halted and started only talking about corona because that is what is happening right now and that's what's so pertinent to our every day it's a completely new world that we're living in now than it was a couple months ago and that's a huge factor um yeah it's it's crazy because the primaries that were going on here in america I mean, they're a footnote now. They're literally a footnote. You know, there's with the biggest election in all of our time coming up, our, our presidential election that's coming up. I mean, it's literally going to be a footnote because of everything that's happening now. It's insane. Uh, anything else that you, you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Um, no, I mean, I think just stay healthy, everyone. That's the biggest thing. My biggest advice. If you're somebody who's like just new to working out, listen to Pat's podcast with the trainer. Definitely get info from there you're at home, not at a gym so you can be as comfortable as you want um, and just get active inside your own places don't let this quarantine turn you into a couch potato and, and be healthy be mindful be cautious um, and yeah care about the other I think that's gonna be the most important uh, can you tell us once again where everyone can find the podcast and where people can really find all of your work yeah, so I, I do all the Jewish Journal podcasts. You can check us out at jewishjournal.com. Uh, my dad's podcast, the David Suiza podcast, is all over on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other apps. The current season that we're doing is called Pandemic Times, and it's a daily episode. We release them around 11 a.m., so you can check those out. Uh, and you can also follow me at Shawnee Suiza on Instagram and Facebook. I'm pretty active on both platforms, and I would love to just talk to anybody. If you guys are stir-crazy or going going nuts at home tune in we are equally going as crazy here and our content has been flowing so definitely tune in and check it all out thank you guys 
All right, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. It's not Corona stuff every day. We'll be talking about football coming back. We'll be talking about the challenge. We're doing movie brackets. It's not all doom and gloom on the Pat Mayo Experience every single day. Just some of the days. <laughs> and hopefully, you can keep an upbeat attitude. Get up. Like I mentioned, I, I have a show coming. Or I have a show that's already released uh, with a personal trainer. Some intro for beginner exercises that you can do at home just to get yourself moving every single day. I highly recommend it. It's making me feel better about being self-isolated anyway. That will do it for me, though. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.